everybody, and on this edition of Guys Talking Sports, we're going to get into the NFL draft, see how our respective teams did, was there any surprises or non-surprises in the draft, um, and also we're going to get to the second round of the NBA playoffs, was that a foul by Draymond Green on to Harden or not, and some early, you know, predictions for who we think might be in the Eastern Conference Finals, all that and a little bit more on this week of Guys Talking Sports. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Guys Talking Sports, uh, where is uh, me and my two distinguished gentlemen over here, um, Ace and Al, always talking sports and talking shit at the same time. So, um, fellas, um, how are you doing this evening? Dude, it's a crazy Wednesday. But it's Wednesday. Okay. You know, so I'm looking forward to the weekend. I'm just looking forward to the weekend as well and ready to get started. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, and uh, the weekend is a few days late, and I'll, um, well, a few days soon before me, and I'll eventually be catching up on Avengers Endgame, so there we can talk about it next week. So, um, I'll Don't get there. Huh? Don't see it twice. <laughs> well, hey. <laughs> there you go. Then we have, then we're going to have a lot to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to get right down to it. Obviously, last week there was um, the NBA, excuse me, the NFL draft that went on. Um, there's a couple of new soon-to-be rich millionaires. Uh, and always there's a couple of uh, thoughts out there. Uh, check the draft board, see who is going where, what names is what, and um, so they can know who to um, take a look at in their respective cities. Um, <laughs> So hey, I'm calling this calling what it is. <laughs> so, uh, so obviously, uh, of course, um, as it was expected, um, even though they try to be very coy as possible, Arizona picked um, Kyla Murray with the first round of the pick. Um, obviously, Josh Rosen subsequently was traded to the Miami Dolphins um, for a second round pick. I think it was a yeah, second round pick, mm -hmm. and I think in the future something else. And the first couple of um, couple of draft picks, Nick Bosa going to the 49ers, Quentin Williams to the Jets, Colin Farrell to the um, to Raiders, um, White to um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the shocker to everybody, which wasn't much of a shocker to me, Daniel Jones, QB from Duke, going to the New York Football Giants, and passing they were passing up on Dwayne Haskins. But like I said, I wasn't that shocked. Uh, but that's just the top five or six picks. Um, some shockers, some not so much shockers, and some head scratchers all around. But um, guys, what were your impressions of the draft, and what did you think about your team's respective picks? I'm going to be honest. I'm very curious to hear your take on the picks that your team made um, and why it wasn't a shocker. I'm, I'm very curious as to that. Hmm. Shall I wait, or shall you respond? <laughs> you can go. I'll go after you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, for those who may not know, born and raised in dirty Jersey, but you would never think that I was a 49er fan, and I am. And though I thought we had a pretty decent draft, I will say that I was kind of ho-hum on the whole Nick Bosa thing, just because... Granted, I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from him being a great player. 
uh, coming from a great lineage. Um, but, you know, he, he did some things in the past that, not even in the past, was, I guess the past couple of years. Not that, you know, we should ever sit there and, I guess it's easy to sit there and say you can separate sports from political type of things, but in today's day and age, sports and politics is like one and the same, especially with social media. So with Nick Bosa going out there and having some Twitter feeds and some other stuff that was, you know, I'm not going to sit there and say it was this or that, but we all know what they were. Obviously, it was enough for him to come out during his press conference to come out and say, my bad, I ain't going to do it no more. You know, it's a distraction. I shouldn't have done it. I was young, blah, blah, blah. The same crap that everybody says that when they become a professional athlete and tweets them, you know, got dug up and making them look bad. All right, whatever, whatever here, there, you know, here or there. But, but then I guess, you know, POTUS went out there and said his nice little tweet the, the Friday morning after the draft, uh, congratulating the number two pick <laughs> instead of even making mention of the number one pick, uh, kind of lit some fuel to the fire of all this BS that's kind of going on. And... I guess, needless to say, this is the type of distraction I don't want with the squad, considering, you know, the type of season that we have with Garoppolo going down and trying to rebuild and retool and trying to make, you know, become a force again in NFC West. I just think this is yet another type of distraction, uh, whether it be minimal or bigger than what we may take it to be. Kind of distort, you know, kind of took a little bit of the luster away from the rest of the draft, which I thought, uh, it was very interesting for the Niners. I, I really thought the Jalen Hurd pick, you know, he was a running back from Tennessee and tra- ended up transferring to Baylor, become the wide receiver. And then the 49ers drafted him as a wide, wide receiver. I thought that was a quite interesting pick. Uh, but I kind of like it just due to the versatility that he kind of brings. Like he can, he can run the ball, he can catch the ball. Very dynamic, you know, I can see uh, the Shanahan kind of going out there and really his mind is working, trying to utilize him in different ways. So the draft was good for the Niners. Um, I'm not saying you pass on Nick Bosa, but um, there were other dudes out there they probably could have taken. I just I just wasn't too fond of him. I, I, didn't, I, I thought he was just, you know, the hype with the name. You know, he was disruptive at Ohio State, but I just didn't see all the hype that, you know, was behind him. So, overall, I'm pleased, but this is all paper. Let me see what they look like on the field, and then we can kind of go from there. Yeah, I did see the, uh, yeah, I did see the comment that um, our, our president um, made to uh, Bosa, um, the second-round pick and not the first-round pick, but at this point, it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Very much. <laughs> but to answer your question, Al, in regards to the uh, the Giants, <laughs> I wasn't surprised because there were been reports for maybe about a good two to three weeks that the Giants had really cooled off on Dwayne Haskins. For whatever reasons, maybe they didn't think he fit into their system. Maybe they wasn't sure if he was the QB um, that he that they were looking to. So I'll I would have been more shocked if they would have picked him. Um, but there was rumors and talks that they were looking at the kid um, from Duke, 
for actually for about a good couple of weeks now, um, really between him and Drew Locke, they were kind of trying to, you know, go back and forth with. Um, so uh, I was a little surprised. Um, not that the fact they picked them, but the fact that they picked them with the sixth pick. I thought that they could have waited to their 17th pick that got them. Now the GM is talking about that, that he might not have made it to the 17th pick. No one knows. No one really knows who's on whose board. You People throw out smoke signals all the time to kind of say, hey, we're looking at going at one person so another team that jumps, they can get to the person they really want. We don't know. Maybe, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Um, I didn't watch too much of his games in Duke, um, so I can't really say for certain, you know, how he's really going to be. Um, I can go by, go by the scouting reports. Um, he's got a good arm, got some good footwork, still a project, didn't have many people to, you know, didn't have the kind of same weapons as assets as Dwayne Haskins had. Um, a lot of his receivers, um, Daniel Jones drop balls. Um, Dwayne Haskins, you know, he had like damn near three track stars on his team. So I had to do was throw little short intermediate, intermediate routes and his receivers did the rest of the work. So, I mean, I, I'm not all, I'm not going to be as hard on him as a lot of people are. I mean, if that's the person that the Giants felt was going to be the person that was going to be the successor to Eli Manning and was going to take him on, then you take the guy. Um, if you believe someone's going to take him, whether it's false or not, then you take him at the pick to ensure you got your guy. I thought he could have waited. Also been able to got um, 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 Josh Allen from University of Kentucky and then would have got, you know, Daniel Jones, either here or there. What I do want is the GM to shut his goddamn mouth about the pick because now he's he's he keep going back and forth with the people. Say nothing. Let if you are who you say you are, then you let the pick talk for itself. Everyone says that he has to be a Hall of Famer. No, he doesn't. If he's get you a Super Bowl, get you to the championship, then your pick is good. It's only going to look bad if Dwayne Haskins goes to a goddamn Super Bowl and wins. But if they go tip for tap, even if Dwayne Haskins beats them head-to-head once or twice, the only way their pick looks really bad is if Dwayne Haskins takes them to a Super Bowl and wins. Outside of that, you don't know. I was I was very curious because, like you said, like from what I'm hearing up here, at least in the New York area, it's just a constant rip back and forth. Um, not too many fans is happy with the pick. Not so much, I guess, not so much with the pick, but I guess they're more upset about when and where he was picked. And I think that's really where the focal point is. Um, like I said, I, I really don't have a dog in the fight because I really don't have a team, so to speak. Um, so I was looking at the Jets, and I thought that the Jets did a good job um, in picking the quality players. They picked safe picks, um, which was kind of rare because I was thinking, like, with the – I thought it was going to be the Jets that do something completely different and out of character um, than the Giants. I thought the Giants was actually going to make the safer pick. So it's – Quentin Williams is going to be a force to be reckoned with. I think they definitely beefed up their defensive line um, between Williams and I forgot the other tackle. There's, they have now the best, one of the best overall um, defensive players in the draft. Um, I thought that their focal point on the defense was very telling. 
um, that they want to shore up their defense. And they try to they did the same with their um, getting an OT um, offensive tackle in the third round. So I think the Jets overall did a good safe pick. Um, they got the best. They I guess they figured who is the best quality pick, um, the safest pick, the best available. Um, in the draft, and I think they, they stayed along those lines. And I think overall they did a great job. Um, but, of course, they're not talking about that. A lot of focus is on why the Giants picked their selection, and that's been, I guess, the focal point of the media up here in New York. So I think things have quieted down now um, because it's now been roughly about a week now. So I think things are starting to simmer down, and now that – the shock value is um, over. I think now everybody's prepping for the start of um, summer camps and see how things progress going forward. But the one thing that is definitely, from what it's telling, is the fact that with the Giants um, making a pick, it ensures that Eli is going to be around for a little bit longer than expected. So um, that's really what the talk of the town is for the most part. They think the Jets did a great job in making the selections that they made, and we'll see how that helped them going forth um, in this coming year. Yeah, I agree. Now, the bigger question is if we're going to step away from our, our teams that we root for or quasi-root for, what is your take on the whole Tariq Hill thing? And the, the initial investigation, he said they weren't going to press any charges, but then that mysterious audio popped up. Now, what I did hear on the radio today, that that audio was taken from an airport or outside of an airport in Dubai or somewhere overseas. And what the sports, the sports radio station here in Baltimore was saying, uh, the one cat that was talking about it specifically, he's an ex-Baltimore police commissioner. He believes that the the uh, the conversation that was recorded probably won't hold weight and uh, hold any weight in court because one, he was probably illegally recorded. You know, he was there was no consent there. Two, we don't know the jurisdiction as far as it being overseas versus it being recorded here. And three. Tariq Hill never really came out and said, yes, I whooped my son's ass or I punched my son in the chest or anything of that nature. It was the, the fiancé going out there and saying, you know, you do this, you do that, you do this, you do that. And he was just like, okay. But, you know, he never really said, yeah, I did this or yeah, I did that. So I'm just kind of curious. Uh, he believes that it probably won't hold any weight, you know, any nothing will come out of it in court. And... Do you believe that the fiance is just as wrong as to rekill in this situation? Because obviously, you know, it seems as though she's out there. I'm not going to say she's out there paper chasing because obviously he hit her when he was in college. Um, but if you're going to secretly take the man and then pass it to a girlfriend, and if, you know, if things don't work out the way you want it to work out, then you leak it to the media. You know, it just seems really suspect. Doesn't look good for the man himself, but I don't think any charges are going to come out of it. What do you, what do you guys just take on this? And what do you guys hear in your respective areas? Well, right now, um, based on the report from um, Mike Garofalo, the NFL is not expected to take any action against Hill this week in light of the reopen 
criminal abuse case against Hill and his fiance. So from what I'm, and, and that's just one of the reports that just dropped like a couple of hours ago. So it doesn't look like the NFL is going to do anything or take any action as of yet on this. Yeah. I, um, you know, there was some talk about it, um, you know, around here. I mean, my opinion is, I mean, you know, I mean, you saw what happened to um, you saw what happened to the um to the running back the name escapes me right about Adrian. Now. No. no. Oh well, yeah, he did too. Yeah, you saw <laughs> what happened to your running back on your team. Kareem Hunt. You saw what happened to Kareem Hunt, and you know, now there was video evidence that there was no way around that you could even well like this. There was video evidence out there, but once they got out to the press and out to the public, there was no way that they could not do anything. I mean, they would look bad if they would have been like, yeah, we kind of saw it, but we kind of let it go. No, once it got out there, they had to cut it. So you saw what kind of zero tolerance policy the team had with Kareem Hunt, and then you're you're going to still act up in this manner. This is allegedly not the first time that, you know, there's been some kind of issues with him, not directly with his son, but, you know, with his fiance a while ago. So um, it's not the first time. And I believe he's had some issues back when he was in college as well. So, um, but like I said, we don't, you're right. It's, it's we're not sure how that video recording is going to hold up in court. You, you don't know how it got out who initially leaked out, whether it was the fiance to a friend. There's a lot of ambiguity around how this recording got out, but the recording got out and, you know, it doesn't look good. Uh, like you said, he didn't directly admit to doing something, but he did say to his fiance, oh, you should be scared of me, bitch. And that right there, you know, is, is damaging material in itself. Um, and you start compiling that based on this history in the past it's not a good look. I mean, the fact that the Kansas City Chiefs drafted a wide receiver as high as they did tells me that Tyreek Hill is probably going to be on the outs anyway. Um, if they did that with Kareem Hunt very quickly, they will more than likely have to follow suit with Tyreek Hill that, that well. Now, I know they don't probably want to for football reasons, but they're going to have to. But all in all, it it's, it's not a that It's just – it's bad. It's a, it's a really bad look. And, you know, that kind of treatment, if that's indeed what he did, was foul. I mean, you know, the teacher want a lesson to hold your arms out, punch him in the chest, and then, you know, broke his arm or, you know, fractured his arm, or whatever. I mean, that's abuse, um, you know, no matter how you slice it. So for me, it's just like these, these guys, you can't – you can't act like you can hide stuff like this. Things always come out. Um, whether it's, you know, by, you know, someone having an ax to grind, whether it's someone who wants to make a profit, these kind of issues, no matter how well you think you can, you know, get rid of it, always comes out in the light. And so you shouldn't have this kind of behavior to begin with anyway. But I don't know. These guys just don't learn. And I think that's the, one of the biggest issues is because you would think that with everything that happened, the history with so many players, whether it's, like I said, with Adrian Peterson or Kareem Hunt, you would think that 
with all that said and done that you would know that, you know, certain things you can and do. And this is kind of different because he didn't know he was being recorded. Um, but it's still like, I we had this conversation a while back with Kareem Hunt and with Adrian Peterson about this situation where, you know, you kind of just, it's difficult sometimes because any little thing can be caught, brought out to light. And you got to be on a, you got to be in a position where you got to hold everything in stuff that you do in fear of, because if it does come out, you're, you know, the league may suspend you or the team may suspend you for whatever reason. Um, I'm to be honest, I'm not even going to say whether it's right or wrong, but obviously if the league believes that it's wrong, then you should know that that's something that you can't do. And you should be at a point where you're just like paranoid where you like, yo, every little thing I got to make sure, like, does this affect me and the league? Does it affect me and my workplace? Like, how, if what if I do this, is this going to be brought out to light? Like, it's, I could, the players are in a position where they have to pretty much have a halo around them and do everything, like, right so that they can continue doing, you know what I'm saying, continue working in the NFL. But overall, it's a difficult position. Um, I just feel as though that where things stand right now, you know, with him and his fiance, you don't know the situation behind all that. If it could be something behind the scenes, like A said, where you never know. So it's just, he has to be mindful and careful um, going forward about what he say and what he does, because obviously people are going to be in a position where it can come out. And if it does come out, it's going to hurt him overall, hurt him playing, hurt, you know, with the suspensions and all that stuff. So NFL players have to be careful and mindful when they're speaking, like, you know, how that affects them in their play and their payday as well, pay rate as well. Well, let me, let me, let me throw out two things, and I'm curious to hear your response. One, do you think that Beyonce put the kid up to say, daddy does this, daddy does that? Considering, to me, based off of the fiance secretly recording the conversation, makes me want to believe that she was trying to set him up for something. That's one scenario. I'm not saying, again, I don't condone any type of abuse towards a child. Though, you know, I ain't going to front. My parents whipped my ass with, you know, tough love back in the day. Different, different times. But, um, two... Do you think the fiance is just as guilty? Do you think the fiance could be one of those types of chicks that could possibly hit on Tyreek and then Tyreek just being, you know, that hood cat or somebody that just don't know how to check his emotions, you know, because he's the guy probably comes off and hits harder and does these sort of things and make things look worse because, of course, he's a man versus a woman? Because, you know, there are a lot of women out there, and, again, I'm not talking down on women, but there's some women out there that just aren't afraid of a man and won't back down from a man and will provoke a man and will hit a man and don't think twice about it. Again, I'm not condoning these sort of things, but these are the types of things that I sit there and think about just because if the prosecutors and the people that are investigating this had all this evidence, but yet they couldn't find whether or not that he was guilty or not, makes me want to believe that she is probably just as guilty as him. 
you know, just because she probably like, yeah, I hit him, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I talk crap on him. Yeah, I, I provoke him, yeah, you know. And the worst thing you could ever do is provoke a dude who has a very short fuse. Because <laughs> it don't take much for somebody who has a short fuse to then go off and just do something crazy. Now, again, I don't know the people. I'm just making some straight up assumptions. But to me, obviously, well, not obviously, but in my opinion, if those who are investigating it prior to this audio couldn't prove nothing, makes me want to believe that she's just as complicit as him. I don't know. I don't know enough about the situation, you know, and their relationship to really say yay or nay to that. I mean, anything is possible. Um, but I think in this case, I don't know. Not enough for me to know about the situation, their relationship to say whether or not, you know, she, you know, that happened. I mean, that'd be very foul. I will hope that's not the case. I mean, um, this appears to be very cut and dry, in my opinion. Um, but like I said, you, you never know. But like I said, I don't know enough about their relationship and their history to say whether or not you know, something like that did occur. Quite possible, but I can't. Right. I can't. Right. I can't. Just, yeah, I can't say yay nay to that. And I hope that's not the case. I mean, what I, he did, what he did was wrong. You know, clear and simple. Yeah, I agree with that. I completely agree. Um, and we never know. You know, you never know behind the scenes how things are. Um, and it's unfortunate, but hopefully this can come to uh, an agreement or, you know, some type of agreement where it works out for both parties. Um, because I think that's really what the focal point is for Tariq right now, is to get this cleared and taken care of and just move on to playing football, so. You well, know, the, thing, the only thing that I did hear, and I'm not sure how accurate this is, is that, um, is that I believe his son was at at this time is neither is not with either the mother or the father. So, and, and that makes me believe that he the son was stuck in a very crazy situation. Now again, I'm not saying that Tyreek Hill didn't beat the dude because I'm sure he did. <laughs> you know, but I mean, I, the, the the acts that he's talking about, I've actually seen ignorant ass parents do that sort of thing to their child before. Unfortunately, but who am I to sit there and say you can't do that to your child? You know, it's none of my business. But <laughs> you know, but uh, this is sad all the way around. You know, it's it's, it's unfortunate because of, when you're a professional athlete, you know, making a, the gaudy type of numbers that you guys are making as far as financials, you're always going to be under that microscope microscope for every little thing that you do. So sometimes it's just best just to go home and. And bring the party to you and confiscate all cell phones and all that type of crap and then whatever goes on in your household is in your household can't nobody prove nothing <laughs> that's your pac-man jones rule <laughs> yeah still <laughs> i mean hey phones in the bag sign it anybody got to sign a waiver <laughs> exactly i mean it's, it's sad that one has to sit there and think like that but in today's day and age where everybody's it's crazy where everybody or rather sit there and video record or take pictures of stuff happening when bad acts are happening where nobody would, would, would 
step to the forefront and step in to try to stop bad act, but yet they're willing to record and post on social media and do all this type of crap because they they rather get the gratification that way instead of doing the right thing. You know, so it's it's the crazy world we live in nowadays. It is. Uh, but real quick before we get off the in, um, the, the draft, um, I did notice one thing that was in, was quite interesting. And I don't like to talk about the team that often, but I have to talk about the Dallas Cowboys. Um, they drafted not one, but two running backs in this year's draft. Mind you, they have Ezekiel Elliott, and he drafted two running backs. So uh, I'm curious, what are your thoughts about that? I, I think they're covering all bases. <laughs> Bottom line, I think they're covering all bases. Um, I really believe, I think that they with Ezekiel Elliott, does it, I mean, I get it, you know, you never know. With Des Bryant, that situation happening with them, I think that they're just covering themselves. Um, I don't think it's a bad idea, a bad move, but there, I could see speculation going down. For I mean, let's think about it. Like the Ezekiel Elliott for them, it could be turn around and be the same thing how um, um, Pittsburgh was with um, I keep forgetting his name. Who that former running back? Um, Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell. So I think I could honestly see them doing this as to say if Ezekiel Elliott goes down or injury or whatever the case may be. Of course, he's still our main our primary running back, but if something was to happen where things may not work out, we do have these two, you know, in line, or they could be setting up more plays to be having two backs in the office in the backfield. Um, so it's a mix and match thing. I, I don't really think nothing to it. I think it's just more so just covering themselves from in case something was to happen to Ezekiel Elliott being the only running back that they utilize a lot. Yeah, when I heard about that at first, I was just like, I thought, you know, I thought the same thing you did. All right, they, you know, all right, they're getting a little bit of a, you know, kind of a, you know, insurance policy, you know, maybe kind of take the workload off Ezekiel Elliott. He's going to take all the kind of hits because he's kind of one of those running backs that looks for contact and doesn't run away from the contact. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, maybe they're just getting someone to, you know, to kind of have a second running back, a backup just in case, you know, something happens or just to have someone to kind of supplement when he picked two, that's when I was just like, okay, I had to, I had to scratch my head a little bit. Then I'm thinking, okay, Ezekiel Elliott is coming up on that time when he can re-up for his contract. Same way as that. Now, somebody going to get paid. Um, is it going to be Dak or is it going to be Ezekiel Elliott? Now, we saw how Dallas Cowboys treat their running backs in the past. They don't like to pay them. They don't. They'll let him walk. Um, Ezekiel Elliott's predecessor walked and went to the, you know, went to Philadelphia Eagles because they didn't necessarily want to pay him. He's coming up on a contract renewal or extension. I'm not sure they necessarily want to pump in all that money to a running back that takes a lot of contact because he does. So they're probably thinking the same thing you're thinking now, just in case he breaks down. But I'm thinking they're thinking long term with saying that 
we don't we're not sure we want to pay him or commit all that money to a running back that might get hurt because he's going to demand um he's going to demand Todd Gurley esque type money. Yeah. More than that. Um so you got to pay Dak. They're going to pay Dak Prescott. They're probably not going to pay him top dollar, but you got to pay him something eventually whether it's going to be this year or next year. Zico Elliott, you can kind of stretch out, but then you're going to get to Le'Veon Bell situation. If you're going to franchise tag him for a year or two or three, then it goes up like, you know, 13, 14, 50 million dollars. So my guess is, is that they're bringing in some running backs for, to help with Ezekiel Elliott. But just in case he's asked for too much money and if we have to franchise tag him, we're only going to do it one time and then that's it. So my guess is, though, they're not going to, they may not give him a long term extension. They'll probably give him a very short term extension with some monies up front. But if he's looking for a long term contract, them picking two running backs just ensured. He's not going to get a long-term extension. I'm also thinking that they might be in the possible um, moves into trading him as well. They might be a little bit more open to trade him and get some value in return. Like you said, they lost their previous running back to free agency, so they're like, if if that's the case, you know, I, they may look to say, you know what, I'm we may not look to do that again. We may need to get some value in return. I mean, he does have a heavy workload. So why not get some value out of that? What, what, we're either going to franchise tag him or we may look to move him to get some return in, in, in that. I mean, let's be honest, they didn't get in return for um, Des Bryant, I don't believe, because he left. On no, his they, own. they let him. They let him walk. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm thinking that in this case with Ezekiel, they may look to get some, some return value in it. So I may even look to possibly trade him if they don't franchise tag him. Uh, hmm. What made Dallas successful in the 90s was the fact that they had a QB, a running back, and a feature wide receiver. And tight ends until... Don't forget about the O-line. Well, we're talking about the 90s, though. The 90s oh, O-line. Gotcha. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. You know, they were probably pretty good. I'm sure they had to be pretty good if Emmitt Smith, you know, ultimately has the career rushing yards, whatever. I'm sorry. Make sure you put in the fullback because that's what the hell opened up a lot of them holes. Right, right, right. <laughs> that's true, too. That is true. Moose Johnson. Um, you know, Jerry Jones is smart. I don't think he's going to sit there and let Zeke walk because he got a young nucleus. I know uh, old boy came back to, to play tight end one last season. I can't think of his name. Jason Witten. Jason Witten. That's a nice little security blanket for for Dak. And I think I think that's what Dak was missing this particular season. I mean, once he got Amari Cooper, but I think he has that what they're looking for with Cooper, Zeke, and and Dak. You know, and that security back uh, blanket with uh, Witten. I think they're going to be all right this year. Now, Matt, I think what they need to do, they need to find a tight end that's capable, like a Witten. And I think Dallas is going to be cool moving forward. But um, I don't think they're going to get rid of it. I mean, I think it'd be I think it'd be foolish. I think when when they uh, what was the Demarco Murray when he left Dallas to go to to, to Philly, I just don't think because uh, who did they have Romo at the time? Mm-hmm. 
Eh, but it was more like the Romo show, the T.O. show, whereas, you know, DeMarco Murray was probably like an afterthought. It wasn't the type of running that he was once he went to Philadelphia, because obviously he was a better running back in Philadelphia than he was in Dallas, in my opinion. Who? DeMarco Murray? Better running back in Philly than Dallas? I think so. Ooh. I ain't, okay. I ain't a Cowboys fan. He was way better in Dallas than he was in Philly. Yeah. Uh, well, he was. He, let me phrase that. He was. His skill sets was better suited to Dallas than it was to Philly. The way that their offensive, the offense was ran. So he came to Philly when it was Chip Kelly era. Yep. Ah, so he just came to the wrong offense. Yep. Gotcha. Gotcha. I don't like Dallas. So I don't really follow them too tough. We were just talking about the fact that they uh, drafted two running backs in this year's draft, knowing that they have their primary running back in Zeke. So we were just thinking about what the future could hold for um, Zeke, being how they drafted not one but two <laughs> running backs in this year's draft. Well, I, I still don't think they're going to trade Zeke, but I, I do think – that if Zeke doesn't put up the numbers that they're looking for, that they may try to say he's expendable. But I think they'd be foolish to let go of Zeke. Um, but they also have to be, they have to understand it was the offensive line that was the reason why Zeke was so was so dominant in the two years ago when Dallas was playing really dominant. So they have to they have to get the offensive line back to where it was before. And I guarantee that Dallas Dallas will be all right. I'm not saying Dallas is going to NFC East, but they uh, they stand a pretty damn good chance. I, I don't think there's anybody in the East outside of Dallas and maybe Philly that's going to do anything. I don't trust the Giants. Last time I put my damn uh, all my my eggs in the basket for the Giants back in that bitch ass Eli. I, I gave I gave Eli all the shots in the world last season. What do you do? Disappointing. Try to tell you. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think Philly. I, I don't. I think Philly takes a slide back. Um, I think they're going to be in the same comp in the same. I think it's going to be a toss up between. I think Dallas is going to be Dallas regardless. They're going to be up there, but I think it's going to be Philly, and I'm going to pick Washington um, to be in. A, I'm, 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 I kid you not. I, Dwayne, I think, Dwayne Haskins led team first year. Not saying a Dwayne Haskins led team. I'm saying I'm. I would not be surprised if the Washington Redskins adapt from the season that they had last year when they was basically doing great before the injury, of course, the quarterback injuries. I would not be surprised if they adapt to this offense to make it more accustomed to whoever is playing quarterback. And I think it's going to benefit them in the long run. And I think Washington is going to be up there in the mix, at least an average team. Not saying they're going to be great. I'm just going to say they're going to be average enough. Hold up. So are you saying that the – Redskins will have a better uh, record than the Giants? Are you, are, are you calling your shot right now? Who, me? Yeah. I believe that the I, – I, I mean, to be honest, I would not be surprised. I'm not going to call it. I'm going to say I would not be surprised if Redskins has a better record than the Giants. Nothing personal. But Giants has the same – pretty much the same roster that they have. And unless they make some major changes – it doesn't stop them from be, having that same record that they had last year. 
<laughs> well, we can. Well, there's definitely going to be enough time to talk uh, football. <laughs> Consider the Giants, man. <laughs> well, hey, I anything is possible. It, it, trust me, Redskins have a better record than the Giants. Would not surprise me at all. Not, not in the least bit. Um, but like I said, there's plenty of time for football talk. I mean, um, you know, the draft is done. Obviously, there's going to be. Um, OTAs and mini camps coming up in the next two months. So um, trust me, we'll have enough time to talk about football at then. But as of right now, the NBA playoffs are in full swing. We're definitely um, in the in the heat of the second round. Um, obviously, the big talk over the last couple of days was the Houston Rockets and the Golden State Warriors game one. This series is done, by the way. Sorry, I just thought I'd just say that. You really uh, think so? I, 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 I don't think it go past six, but, you know, I could be wrong. If they win a game, well, before we get before we get that far ahead. <laughs> uh, so game one, obviously there was the, um, the officiating was definitely the main story of it. Um, some fouls that were not called. Um, Golden State Warriors, Clay Thompson, you know, jumping into the now as we're going to be as we heard for the last two days, the landing area where James Harden and Chris Paul were shooting the jumpers. And then the very last play. Um, which was some people thought was a foul, which I didn't think was a foul, um, was uncalled. And the two-minute report comes out saying that, yeah, four fouls should have been called in the, you know, in the first half. A few calls on Steph Curry should have been called, which he should have been fouled out prior before him hitting that, you know, three-pointer that didn't ice the game, but definitely, you know, kind of shifted the game in that direction. But to you guys, hopefully you guys both saw this game. So what did you think? Did you think – a, that last play wasn't actually indeed a foul, and B, did you think that the Rockets had just been complaining way too much about the officiating? Um, obviously, when you have a team that um, had analytics and data driven towards <laughs> fouls that, uh, that had not been called against them when playing Golden State, Obviously, they had something going out and uh, they had a vendetta. I wouldn't say they had a vendetta, but they they obviously felt some sort of way where they had the analytics people going out there and creating all these documents and data points and all this sort of stuff to say that, yes, Golden State does this versus us because we can't, whatever. whatever. Yeah, I, I do think it's personal. <laughs> um, do they probably get the benefit of the doubt in a lot of calls? Probably so. I mean, they champions three out of the past four years. I mean, I guess people would say the same thing about the Bulls back in the day when they had their dominance. So this isn't nothing new. Um, but in order to stop all the, the innuendos and the, all the other crap, you just got to go out there and whoop their ass. And bottom line is – as much as I would love to see Houston take it to them and win, I just don't see it. <laughs> they they needed to get one of those games to go to state, and they did not. Um, this is a different team than last year's Houston Rockets team. And unless something drastically changes, I don't care how much they talk about officiating, 
the outcome is going to be the same. They keep complaining about officiating. They might mess around and get swept. So they better figure out what their damn priorities are and try to get this, try to get back into the series in game three. I think they'll win game three just because it's home field advantage, home court advantage, and they have the city of Houston backing them. But like I said, when we first started this little feed into this, I'd be surprised it goes past six. So bitching about the officiating or not, don't really mean much of anything in my opinion. And did I see the play, whatever, whatever, no. Doesn't really matter. Would have changed the outcome if the, the fouls, uh, if, they called, if they called the foul or not. I, and I'm asking this because I don't know. I did not see the play. Um, it wouldn't have mattered. I mean, even if the foul called, I mean, at this point, it was still inevitable because of the fact that um, Houston wasn't playing their best basketball overall. Although it was a close game, I think Houston was there, but they still wasn't stopping Kevin Durant. They, their offense was okay, but the defense was just lacking solely. Um, they need to have James Harden to be like the historic, like epic James Harden where he cannot be stopped and that's the only way they're going to have a chance and I think as far as the play is concerned it's so much 50-50 at this stage because yes I get it that if you land in there I mean if a person is in their landing spot I can see how that foul is called I get that um, but it's both ways because sometimes how J- James Harden shoots the ball, it's like almost similar to how Kobe used to do where he kicks his leg out to try and get draw a foul each time he shoots a jumper. Um, it's it's 50-50. Like, it's up to the referee's description of whether or not they're going to call a foul or if they are or they're not going to call a foul. Um, but I do see it where it seems as though that – they're shooting jumpers to try and get into the landing spot. And even though um, the Warriors have their hands up on D, it seems as though that it's still aiming at their spot. Um, it's it's so much behind it. that To be honest, the play alone doesn't mean that the Houston was going to win. And they need to really stop whining. I mean, and I said this on Twitter regardless. Both Houston and Golden State is the only teams that ever whine as much as they do. And I said the reference is going to have their hands full with these the next, you know, this series alone. Because if it's not going to be Golden State, it's going to be Houston. If it's not going to be Houston, it's going to be Golden State. Somebody's going to end up whining. The referee's going to need to have to lock it down. Whatever they use for their discussion, that's how they should utilize it. I mean – just play the game, bottom line. Like, both Houston and Golden State need to just focus on playing the game and winning the series. And until that happens, there's always going to – the next couple of days, whether the games are played or, not, or after the games are played, it's not going to be about the defense or the offense. It's going to be about the rest and how they ref the game. And somebody's going to always going to complain at the podium about what the rest did or didn't do. It's just play the game. Like, come out and say, I'd rather hear somebody say, you know what, the rest did their job. You know, we just need to execute better. Simple as that. That will stop a lot of the drama. And this is what it is. Even though this is supposed to be the Western Conference quote-unquote championship, there's still drama behind it because they still whine and complain all the time. As a matter of fact, I have to say this. Like, every, it seems like everywhere Chris Paul goes, 
it seems that their team whines a lot. I mean, whether he was with the Clippers, the Clippers were the most whiniest team. Now it seems like with Houston, it seems like they adapted that and now became the most whiniest team. Golden State's been whining, complaining for the jump. Whether it's K-Mon, I mean, whether it's Draymond, whether it's Kevin. So it seems like these two, you don't hear nothing about any other team other than the Rockets and the Warriors when it comes to complaining to the rest. It's ridiculous. Just play basketball. Play the series and just play execute better. You know what you have to do next game. Just go out and perform. Bottom line. Yeah, I I, I agree 100% on that. Um, I watched the game. Um, definitely watched the second half um, more than the first half. Was those fouls in the first half fouls? Yeah. Was that foul in a, in, you know, on with Jeremiah Green and um, Harden? No. And because Harden shot the shot, but Harden that that wasn't a that wasn't a good three that he shot. That was a throw up shot, and he threw out his leg to initiate the contact because he was trying to say, "Well, you didn't call it, so I'm going to ensure that you call it." But he was he wasn't shooting the three to make the three. He was shooting that three and kicking out his leg to initiate the contact. And I'm like this. Shoot the shot to make the shot. But if James Harden is like that, I mean, you can call some fouls on him, but he does a lot of offensive fouls a lot. I've seen a lot of times when he drives to the lane, and you notice how he drives to the lane, you want to call some separation. And if you ever watch slowly, that arm comes up on the back of the defender very gently, pushes him away, creates a lot of contact. I've seen that on Steph Curry. I've seen it on Klay Thompson. I've seen it on Draymond Green. And he does that all the time. And the second one, which he does the entire season, is when he drives to the lane. And we're going to see a lot of that in Houston. He drives to the lane. Not even a basketball attempt to shoot the ball. No one's not going to go in. But he drives the lane to get contact, throws up his arms, not even trying to shoot the ball, not even trying to make a shot. He just drives to the lane, throws up his arms. The ball goes nowhere near the hoop. Bow, two shots. And he stays at the line, and he does that every game, all season. And it drives me nuts because I'm like, you're not trying to even shoot the ball. You're just driving into the lane of people just to get contact, and they just call it. But it's a foul, and I hate it. But in the same respect, like you said, play the game. Don't play the game at the end for the refs to bail you out because they're not going to do that. The refs didn't, the refs didn't, aren't, aren't going to bail you out. The refs didn't bail the Cleveland Cavaliers out. So they're not going to bail. They didn't bail them out at all. And they, and Cavaliers, you know, as we kept whined a lot in that finals. Um, and well, that's a whole different story. But to, but to this one, stop complaining, stop whining. If you want to beat the champs, this is, this is the team you wanted. This is who Clint Capella, who only had, what, two points in that first game. You said you wanted them. You had a couple more points in the second game. You said this is the team you wanted. Your entire offseason and regular season was built around this moment. If you want to be the man, you got to beat the man. And like this in boxing, if you're fighting Floyd Mayweather, you know, in Las Vegas, you got to knock his ass out. Don't leave it up to the rest because if you do, you're going to lose each and every time. And if they go with this mindset of having the refs bail them out, they're going to lose each and every time, especially if you go to Golden State. Now, I suspect they're going to probably win game three. They're probably going to have a blowout in game three. 
James Harden is probably going to be at the line 16 to 17 times a game. So it's Chris Paul. Every foul is going to go their way. But if you go back to Golden State, two up or two or three one, do not look for the refs to call the fouls. Play your game, play to win, and try to beat the shit out of the Warriors. Because if you don't, you're going to lose. And they miss Trevor Ariza like a bad habit. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I do have a question though. I, I'm I'm curious. I didn't. Even, I completely was uh, uh, so unaware of the fact that Iman Shumpert played. Houston. Oh, Does it? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. I I was complete I was not aware that he played with Houston. Um but what is, what is he, the twelfth man on the bench? Now he's getting some minutes. He's getting minutes. They're not worthy minutes, but he's definitely getting he's some minutes. A, he's in the playoff rotation, put it like that. Yeah. <laughs> Two minutes. Three minutes. <laughs> yeah. But I could to be honest, I'm a I could honestly see game three going with Houston up and the Warriors complaining about getting nine calls. I completely agree with that. I see that happening. I see the Warriors going to be complaining to the refs on game three. And this is where it's going to be, how it's going to be. It's going to be who's going to be complaining to the refs more. Is it going to be Houston or is it going to be Golden State? That's what it's going to be. It's not going to be about who won the game. It's going to be like who complained the most. Yeah. Look, bottom line is – they came out of game one bitching. They came out of game two bitching. Unless they shut up and play, if they're going to keep bitching, they're going to keep losing. And they're going to mess around and lose in five games. I tell you, if this thing goes past six, it's because they decided to because they decided to go out there and actually shut up and play ball. So, so basically what you're saying is whoever whined the most will lose. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> go to state ain't whining. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Cause I'm I'm pretty sure that they're they're old one. They're old one game where they're gonna go ballistic. Somebody's gonna get tossed, whether it's gonna be KD or Draymond, somebody's gonna get technical. And they're thankful that Boogie is not playing. Because I can honestly see Boogie going ballistic as well. Yeah, they, 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 they damn lucky Boogie ain't playing because if Boogie was playing the joint would go for Easy. <laughs> No, I think Boogie was much more of a liability on defense than he was. And I think, actually, it's it's in the Golden State Warriors' advantage that he's probably not playing because, I mean, Steph Curry is a defensive liability, but so was Boogie Cousins. Now you got two defensive liabilities people out there. Boogie was getting stuck in the pick and the roll all the time, and he was just getting torched. And Houston Rockets did eat him up last time that they played. Now they don't have him in there. Andrew Bogus, eh, but they're running with their quote-unquote death lineup, you know, the Hamptons five, and that's giving them all fits. When you have Draymond Green and Andre Inquadala, you know, giving you double digits, you want to have a rough time beating that team. Okay. Real quick, I, I'm just quite, just real quick before we wrap it up. Uh, Raptors Raptors, uh, Sixers, uh, who you got? I'm still going with the Raptors because I don't think Embiid's knee is 100%. And uh, I think in the long run, I think Toronto will probably get them. I agree. Oh, I'm sorry. I agree. Well, my bad. 
Well, I'm, 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 damn, I, I didn't jump to the, to the, to the finals. I meant Philly, Boston. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, wait, Philly is playing. So you think Philly and Boston is going to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals? No. No, Philly's playing Boston now. No, Philly's playing Toronto. Toronto. Boston playing Milwaukee. Oh yes, sure you're right. <laughs> I, I do apologize. All right, so who's winning out of the two? That's what I meant to say. That's where I was going with that. Because <laughs> we didn't touch the East. I'm gonna go with Toronto over over the Sixers. Uh, I'm not sold on the Bucks. Uh, that game one loss, I think, showed a lot more than what than what their game two win did. Um, you're not going to have Chris Middleton shooting that, that many damn threes all the time. All se- now, if he does that for the rest of the damn series, then hell, they ain't winning. I don't think you're going to get that same kind of three-point production out of them, or at least out of him, like last night, the next couple of games. I don't know. I'm, it's a toss-up. I'm going to go I'm gonna go with Boston. <laughs> not me. <laughs> I'm not sold on the Bucks yet. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you right now. Um, I, I get your reasoning behind it, but all jokes aside, Boston still hasn't shown me that they could play a team chemistry yet. And where's Jason Tatum? Like, I haven't even heard anything about him these past couple of games. And until Jason Tatum shows me that he's Jason Tatum from last year in the playoffs. I just don't see them. I don't see them beating the Bucks. I think Chris Middleton found his groove. I think he's gonna be. To be honest, the Bucks have a lot more weapons than what Boston has. Bottom line, because if Middleton doesn't score, Miritich is gonna score, and I think it's gonna be one game where Miritich is gonna go off ballistic, and it's gonna carry the Bucks over. I think in regards to the Toronto and Philly, real quick, I think Jimmy Butler had a great game for them to try the series. Jimmy Button needs to be the hot, the hot man. I mean, like you said, Joel Embiid is injured. If Jimmy Button, Butler doesn't score, I, Philly can't win, can't beat Toronto. Um, Kawhi Leonard is on, a, is on a different level. And Piao Sockham is playing like Kawhi Leonard. So when you have those two on like that, it's scary. I see Toronto and Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Finals. I love to see that. Actually, I would love to see Kawhi versus Giannis in the Eastern Conference Finals. So would I. I'm skeptical, <laughs> but uh, but so am I. I. But I agree. I mean, you brought Jimmy Butler in to be the closer and the man to close out these series. He needs to. This is where he needs. This is where he's earning his paycheck. You you got him in here for this point. Let him. He needs to do it. Exactly. Uh, I still, I still think that it'll be a, a Milwaukee Philly series, conference finals, and Milwaukee coming out. So, stay. I'm standing, stick. You know, standing pat, sticking with my guns. You know, you did pick Milwaukee last year. You did realize that, right? He did. Yeah, I thought they were pretty nice last year too. They weren't ready. Stand by the courage of your convictions. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. But I would like to see it too. Like I said, I'm skeptical, but hey, uh, Jason Tatum won't be the Jason Tatum of last year as long as Kyrie Irving is there. And I think that's going to be like the the Achilles heel, so to speak, with that. 
as good as Kyrie is, they need Jason Tatum to be with him. If he's not on that level, it's going to be difficult. So they can't they can't both play together. It, it appears at the moment, or they don't have the right coach to play together. So somebody got to go. I guarantee it'll be uh. We're talking Boston, right? Yes. Yep. I guarantee it'll be Kyrie. I'm telling you, Kyrie is due for a, a knee injury. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's before the knee injury comes. <laughs> well, he's well, he, well, well, he's real happy right now. So I, I don't see a mysterious knee injury coming into the mix to keep him out. So he's happy and playing good right now. So if they lose early, all bets is off. <laughs> I could be playing for his next team personally, but I, I could be wrong. Well. I guess we'll have to see. But um, anyway, fellas, that's all the time that we have for this week. Um, so, uh, you know, I want to appreciate everybody for subscribing. Um, I'm reaching out to us. Remember, we're on um, Apple Podcasts. Are we on Spotify yet? That's a good question. I need to double check that. I'm pretty sure we are. Okay. Uh, we're definitely on Apple um, Podcasts. Um, hopefully we're on, on um, Spotify. Um, reaches out on Twitter and all of the above to get to us. Um, so in the meantime, fellas, let them know uh, where they can reach you at. You can find me on Twitter, CatDaddy1963. That's CatDaddy1963 on Twitter. And, of course, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am Al Qualls. Twitter and Instagram, I am Al Qualls. You can find me on the gram, Snapchat, and Twitter, uh, J.E. Ross, the number seven. And as always, as we say, I want to thank everybody for subscribing. Um, click like, uh, give us some feedback and um, additional comments, some jokes, or whatever you want to um, want us to tell. Um, as always, love, peace, and soul. Yeah, we shuck and drive, too. <laughs> hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs>